Chapter Nine of Arizona Nights by Stephen Edward White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Old Timer. About a week later, in the course of the roundup, we reached the valley of the Box Springs, where we camped for some days. That the dilapidated and abandoned adobe structure that had once been a ranch house of some importance. Just at dusk one afternoon, we finished cutting the herd which our morning's drive had collected. The stray herd, with its new additions from the day's work we pushed rapidly into one big stock corral. The cows and unbranded calves we urged into another. Fifty head of beef steers found asylum from dust, heat, and racing to and fro in the mile-square wire enclosure called the pasture. All the remainder for which we had no further use, we drove out of the flat into the brush and toward the distant mountains. Then we let them go as best pleased them. But now the desert had turned slate-colored, and the brush was olive-green with evening. The hard, uncompromising ranges, twenty miles to eastward, had softened behind a wonderful veil of purple and pink, vivid as the chiffon of a girl's gown. To the south and southwest the Chiricahuas and Dragoons were lost in thunder clouds which flashed and rumbled. We jogged homewards, our cutting ponies tired with the quick, sharp work, shuffling knee-deep in a dusk that seemed to disengage itself and rise upwards from the surface of the desert. Everybody was hungry and tired. At the chuck-wagon we threw off our saddles and turned the mounts into the remuda. Some of the wisest of us, remembering the thunder clouds, stacked our gear under the veranda roof of the old ranch house. Supper was ready. We seized the tin battery, filled the plates with the meat, bread, and canned corn, and squatted on our heels. The food was good, and we ate hugely in silence. When we could hold no more, we lit pipes. Then we had leisure to notice that the storm cloud was mounting in a portentous silence to the zenith, quenching the brilliant desert stars. Rolls were scattered everywhere. A roll includes a cowboy's bed and all of his personal belongings. When the outfit includes a bedwagon, the roll assumes bulky proportions. As soon as we had come to a definite conclusion that it was going to rain, we deserted the campfire and went rustling for our blankets. At the end of ten minutes every bed was safe within the doors of the abandoned adobe ranch house, each owner recumbent on the floor claim he had preempted, and every man hoping fervently that he had guessed right as to the location of leaks. Ordinarily we had depended on the light of campfires, so now artificial illumination lacked. Each man was indicated by the alternately glowing and waning lozenge of a cigarette fire. Occasionally someone struck a match, revealing for a moment highlights and bronze countenances and the silhouette of a shaded hand. Voices spoke disembodied. As the conversation developed, we gradually recognized the membership of our own roomful. I had forgotten to state that the ranch house included four chambers. Outside the rain roared with Arizona ferocity. Inside men congratulated themselves, or swore as leaks developed and localized. Naturally, we talked first of stampedes. Cows and bears are the two great cattle country topics. Then we had a mouth-organ solo or two, which naturally led on to songs. My turn came. I struck up the first verse of a sailor chanty as possessing at least the interest of novelty. Oh, once we were a-sailin', a-sailin' were we. Blow high, blow low, what care we? And we were a-sailing to see what we could see, down on the coast of the high Barbary. I had just gone so far when I was brought up short by a tremendous oath behind me. At the same instant a match flared. I turned to face a stranger holding the little light above his head, and peering with fiery intentness over the group sprawled about the floor. He was evidently just in from the storm. His dripping hat lay at his feet. A shock of straight, close-clipped, vigorous hair stood up gray above his seamed forehead. Bushy iron-gray eyebrows, drawn close together, thatched a pair of burning, unquenchable eyes. 
A square, deep jaw, lightly stubbled with gray, was clamped so tight that the cheek muscles above it stood out in knots and welts. Then the match burned his thick, square fingers, and he dropped it into the darkness that ascended to swallow it. Who was singing that song? He cried harshly. Nobody answered. Who was that singing? He demanded again. By this time I had recovered from my first astonishment. I was singing, said I. Another match was instantly lit and thrust into my very face. I underwent the fierce scrutiny of an instant. Then the taper was thrown away, half-consumed. Where did you learn it? The stranger asked in an altered voice. I don't remember, I replied. It is a common enough deep-sea chanty. A heavy pause fell. Finally the stranger sighed. Quite like, he said. I never heard but one man sing it. Who in hell are you? Someone demanded out of the darkness. Before replying, the newcomer lit a third match, searching for a place to sit down. As he bent forward, his strong, harsh face once more came clearly into view. He's Colorado Rogers, the cattleman answered for him. I know him. Well, insisted the first voice, what in hell does Colorado Rogers mean by busting in on our song fiesta that way? Tell them, Rogers, advised the cattleman. Tell them just as you told it down on the Gila ten years ago next month. What? inquired Rogers. Who are you? You don't know me, replied the cattleman. But I was with Buck Johnson's outfit then. Give us the yarn. Well, agreed Rogers, pass over the makings and I will. He rolled and lit a cigarette, while I reveled in the memory of his rich, great voice. It was of the sort made to declaim against the sea or the rush of rivers, or, as here, the fall of waters and the thunder full from the chest, with a caressing throat vibration that gives color to the most ordinary statements. After ten words we sank back oblivious of the storm, forgetful of the leaky roof and the dirty floor, lost in the story told us by the old-timer. This is the end of chapter 9.